Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. Tonight's gospel reading is especially meaningful for me because whenever I married my wife, Emily, we chose this passage because it captured our vision for the marriage we wanted to create. Because marriage is about love, and love is not something that can be divorced from service. In fact, the word mandi comes from the Latin mandantum, which means commandment. And so on Maundy Thursday, what we remember is Jesus' new mandantum given to the church. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. And so what exactly does that mean? Now this may sound odd, but Jesus' new commandment is not that we need to focus more of our energy on loving God or our spouse or our family or our friends, nor is tonight's gospel a reminder that in light of Jesus's impending death, we need to serve God. Because tonight's gospel is not about us serving God. It is about God serving us. You see, there is something we all carry around with us that needs to be crucified with Jesus tomorrow afternoon. And that's the crippling idea that God expects or needs something from us. You see, whenever John's gospel was penned, the dominant religion at the time was paganism, which revolved around learning to appease the gods that controlled human life. And each god had a different set of expectations. And since it was they who doled out the blessings and the curses, the point of religion was to serve the gods, to make the perfect sacrifice so that maybe, just maybe, the gods would favor you. And what I see in myself and in so many people I talk to is an inner pagan who's scared that God also has his list and that being faithful is about appeasing him, perhaps by volunteering or limiting our sins or by doing good deeds. And this we sometimes like to call serving God. And as routine becomes habit, we start to think, perhaps unconsciously, that God needs our worship that God needs our money, that God needs our good deeds to get on with his earthly project. We never say this out loud, but our hearts sometimes see faith as a contract, the terms of which go something like this. We fall short, Jesus intervened, we are indebted to God, and so our job is to serve, to work off the debt. And so, 
Yes, I think most of us know that God accepts us, but whether or not God loves us unconditionally, which literally means without expecting anything in return, or whether God even likes us for that matter, well, about that we're not as sure. Listen again to what John says in tonight's gospel. Having loved his own who were in the world, Jesus loved them to the very end. And during supper, knowing that he had come from God and was going to God, Jesus got up from the table and began to wash his disciples' feet. Now we sometimes hear this story And we think that the point being made is that Jesus is God, but, you know, what the heck, he decided to wash his disciples' feet anyway. But that is not the point being made at all. Rather, it's that washing his disciples' feet is what Jesus had to do, not in spite of the fact that he was God, but rather precisely because he was God. In other words, through a very simple act of washing feet, Jesus reveals who God really is, the ultimate servant that loves because he chooses to love, that saves because he chooses to save, and that washes us because he chooses to make us clean. And so let us not interpret Jesus' new commandment as You need to serve God and other people and stop being so selfish. And look, watch me, here's how you do that. No, the point being made is much more scandalous, so much more threatening to the human ego than that. The commandment is not that we serve him or anyone else. The commandment is that we let him serve us. Which sounds nice, but... Well, it's a problem, right? There's something about Peter's objection to this that captures how we feel. Do our hearts not cry out, Lord, you must never wash my feet? Because let's be honest, part of us would rather just be accepted and fulfill our end of the contract to give a little money here, a little worship there, maybe a good deed thrown in every now and again. Because that way we get to remain in control of our own life. Part of us, to be quite honest, prefers paganism. We serve God. God is appeased. We get on with our life. We fulfill our own plans. Because if the gospel is about us serving God, well, let's be realistic. There's only so much that God could ask of us. But the idea that The God of the universe lives to serve us? Well, if we actually believed a crazy idea like that, it would shatter our lives, uproot our plans, reorient our values, and maybe, just maybe, set us free to serve other people, not from a place of fear or duty or to meet some unmet need we have, but Rather, because being secure as someone loved by God, we are then free to love in the same way, to love other people expecting nothing in return. 
And so this little drama with Peter is kind of funny on the outside, but on the inside, it is a deeply serious matter, reaching to the very center of the gospel itself. Unless I wash you, Jesus says, you have no share with me. In other words, you belong to me by letting me wash you, by letting me serve you, by letting me be God. And you know what's so ironic? It's when we let Jesus do that, when we see that Jesus came not to teach us about serving, but to serve, that the idea of serving God actually starts to make sense. Because as we let Jesus wash us, his mercy and love and grace will break our heart, we will pick up a towel, and we will then live to wash the feet of other people. And by this, people will know that we are Jesus's disciples because we let him serve us. And it's our very act of letting that will overflow into loving. Just as, just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. This is Jesus's new commandment. And so again, what exactly does it mean? I want to end my sermon by looking at this word should, which has two meanings, only one of which can be applied to Jesus's commandment. First, the word should can mean must or ought. In other words, it can be used to indicate duty. You should pay your taxes. You must pay your taxes. Just as I've loved you, you should, you must love other people. The point of my sermon is that this is precisely not what Jesus is saying. The second meaning of the word should, which does apply, is used to express condition and interrelatedness. If A happens, B should follow. If I don't have to pay taxes, I should be relieved. B should naturally flow from A. In other words, just as I have loved you, just as the arrow of my love penetrates my heart, just as you let me serve you, you should naturally do the same. Put differently, Jesus's new commandment is not to love, it's to let. To let God be God, to let his mercy break our heart, to let Jesus tear apart whatever contract we think applies to our relationship with him, to let him love us, And you know what? As that happens, we should naturally do the same in our relationships with other people. It's not that we should. It's that if A happens, B should follow. Bernie Manning, who's one of my favorite authors, he tells this wonderful story about an Irish priest, one of his friends, who stumbles upon a peasant who's praying by the side of the road. And so this priest, who's so impressed, says to the peasant, you must be really close to God. And this is how that peasant responded. I am. Because God is so very fond of me. How sweet would our life be? How many of our problems would disappear if we believed 
that God favors us. Not that we're just forgiven or accepted or tolerated, but that we are the apple of God's eye. I sure hope you've heard that before, that God is so very fond of you and that we don't need to make a sacrifice so that God will favor us, but that Jesus has already made the perfect sacrifice precisely because he already does. Because practically speaking, you are currently loving your spouse and your children and your friends and yourself just as, not an ounce more, but just as you know in your heart that Jesus loves you. And that is the truth. We will only love completely to the extent that we know we are completely loved. And so where in your life are you not letting Jesus wash you? What defenses need to come down? What rough places need to be smoothed? What walls have you erected that need to be toppled? Because God's wrecking ball is very unconventional. But my God, is it effective? He has a basin, some water, and a towel. And unless I wash you, he says, to every single one of us, you have no share with me. Amen.